So hello everybody, welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. As always, you can find us on social media. So on Facebook, if you type in Folk on Falcons, you'll see our page. And on Twitter, it's just at Folk on Falcons. Where better to start this week? What a Saturday at Kingston Park. Can you remember the last time you saw something like that? Well, I mean, we've seen it, haven't we, in our lifetimes? A hammering of not only Leicester, but reigning champions Leicester. I mean, it really was a result and a performance that will live long in our hearts and memories, I think, for many, many years to come. Yeah, I mean, a really, really special day. Made, obviously, a, quite a good... I know they've obviously had a defeat the other week, but it is a good Leicester side, the reigning champions. Made them look very, very ordinary, deservedly so. I mean, we were absolutely brilliant. I think 1-23, to 23, every player was absolutely superb. Um, and actually, you know, we're starting to make Kings Park a bit of a fortress at the moment. That's the third really good win against another very good team that we've had in succession. Um, and like I said, there's no fluke about it at all. Absolutely deserved. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just absolutely fantastic and a really, really special day for everyone involved at the club. Yeah, obviously um, a bit of an emotional start with the minutes applause for Lulu, who unfortunately passed away. But um, I think I was well respected by everybody in the ground. And then it didn't seem to hold the players back and maybe they were giving it a bit extra for, for that. You, you don't know how that plays in it, but it seems that she was a part of the club and will be sorely missed. Um, the the first 10 minutes or so, you just thought, oh, here we go again. Kicking, kicking, kicking. And also, the ref seemed to be on first-name terms with players, which I'm never terribly keen on, because he'll, he'll refer to Ben, i.e. Ben Youngs, and he referred to Gary, a couple of times about Gary Graham or Carl, but then there's other players where he just doesn't have a clue who they are. And he just says, like, number six or number seven or whatever. And I'm never too keen on that, because I think that referees should always refer to teams by their colour and the shirt numbers on the backs. But anyway, then Carrera's got his first one, which I think was largely made in the midfield. Um, Penny held the man and created it, but there was a good play before it by the rest of the team. And then straight after that, from the kickoff, Carrera's almost in for a second when he made that. It was quite clever, actually. A couple of times during the game he did it, where he ended up in the in open play in the Leicester line. So at kickoffs, so he was running around for the pat-down, and this time he caught, uh, picked it up off the ground and scampered away. But there was a, a time later on that he ended up in the Leicester line from something similar. And in open play, there's no reason not to, but it's quite clever how... I don't know if he's been coached or if he just took it took the onus on himself to do it, but quite clever play. And I still don't know why he chipped ahead that time. I think he could have probably turned... I think it was Stuart he was up against inside out had he just done a bit of a, a step like we know he can, but he chipped it. And there's a lot of, should it be a penalty try or not? I think if you start giving penalty tries for that, then when do you stop? But um, very good to get straight back up to the other end. And then it's only a matter of time before we... We ended up with a, a second try a few minutes later. Yeah, well, I mean, the momentum was all with us, really. Uh, we were very much on top, certainly for large periods of the first half, or certainly for a large period. Leicester just never really got anywhere near our 22, and they, they barely made any sort of inroads into it. And it was it was us who looked the most threatening. And I thought Chick took his try really well. You know, it was that's exactly what you want to see. It's exactly what we should be doing. We should be taking chances like that when we are near the opponent's try line. And you know, when that one went over, you know, you, you, you're sort of thinking, I guess you know, you kind of took overconfident, certainly. But you know, you did sort of think, you know, this could be quite a good day here because 
you know, it wasn't like a case of, oh, you know, we've, we've sort of done it on the break, you know, our backs against the wall, you know, we're kind of riding our luck here. Um, potentially like the sale game to an extent, but no, we were completely on top. We fully deserved it. And Leicester just, just sort of didn't turn up. They, they just didn't have an answer to us at all. You know about Guerrero, it's not just obviously with his tries, but his general play looked absolutely live wire and real threat all game. A couple of sort of clever kick-throughs, you know, didn't sort of quite work and that sort of thing. Um, but it wasn't just sort of so much his tries. Like I say, it was sort of his general play. And I, I know he also made the point with the first try and also there was other player later on where actually he was the beneficiary of great play by other players. And obviously he's the winger, so it so happens that he gets all the tries and applauded. Yeah, he was brilliant. I think if I pick a man in the match, possibly him or even possibly Penny. But like I say, it's hard to sort of pick out. I know he's only got the hatchery, but it's hard to pick out sort of any individual any one standout individual because they were all outstanding. Yeah, from one to fifteen, they're all splendid. But um, you just mentioned there this, his second try that was set up by Conan. I think Conan played phenomenally well once again. The last few matches he's been playing well, and his kicking's been ridiculously good for the last half dozen games. I think he's just missed one kick in them. But um, he was running at defenders and committing them. It's suddenly like he's got a lot of confidence from somewhere that he's not had. And had that been George Ford or um, Owen Farrell playing at standoff there, he'd have been all over BT Sport getting all these highlight compilations but, but he's just Brett Conan does it for the Falcons no one really bats an eyelid and cares but he played. he's played once again extremely well and it wasn't just that one he was running at defenders throughout the whole game committing them making half breaks putting people through gaps and like you say Penny also but I don't think it's really fair to pick out individuals because I think from 1-15 to nobody had a bad performance everybody played well but I think also was a, a big factor was it was a strong team we did put out. And I think particularly in the centres, I think maybe it's only happened once this season, unless you can correct me or, or whatever. But I think it is only about once a season where we've had Moroni and Orlando in the centres to playing together. Um, and I think certainly for most of the games as they did in the weekend. And I do think that makes a real difference. And I think not just the fact that they played, they, they are literally playing together. I think they've obviously had more time to gel. They've had more more game time playing for the club and the players around them. I think that has really helped. I think the point made about Conan, about how, you know, he's possibly, you know, you could argue form of his life. Certainly that was one of the games of his life. I don't think it's any coincidence that he's playing against two very good centres, which I think have helped him. And I think that has been perhaps a weakness of us in, is the centres this season. Um, but I think that also went in the fact that, you know, there has been times where we've talked about side-to-side attack, looks a bit clueless at attack. You know, we've certainly pointed that out. Didn't look that didn't look like that at all, I thought, on Saturday. I thought the attack looked a lot better, looked more cohesive, looked far more dangerous, far more penetrative. Was it as wonderful? As, was it absolute top draw? I don't think so. But it didn't matter because obviously we took our chances and that, that's what matters. You know, if you can give that extra better percentage, if you are getting more on top of your game, especially ball in hand, obviously you're going to score more points, even if you do consider, the, you know, a try scoring bonus point. You know, that, that that's how you win games. You know, you, you obviously you score more points in the opposition and that's what we've been lacking and that's how you get bonus points as well. You know, look, we got the try bonus point really early on. And like I said, I don't mean it's a coincidence because we had a pretty much full strength starting team and certainly starting back nine. A couple of things to say there. I was thinking about the start of 15 and um, yes, we've got injuries, but the notable one I think you could say be pushing for the start in 15 and that team would be Sean Robinson, but I'm not sure that on he's got to really work for his place to get back in that start in 15 because nobody from that team deserves to be dropped. And quite rightly too, because De Chavez in the form of his life, arguably. We've got a front row that's back and fit, notable returners being Trevor Davidson. Then we've got uh, Moopola came off the bench. He's shaken off whatever injury 
you had earlier in the season. Then back row, you had uh, Cole Ferns and Gary Graham, which pushed Callum Chick to open side. And I'm not sure many people would say necessarily Callum Chick's your, your out-and-out seven, but he certainly didn't do a bad job, as it? Yeah, the, the back line... Orlando and Moroni, yeah, first couple of games of the season, I think they played together. But then there was the Autumn Internationals, obviously, which put a span in the works. And then I think since then, there's been variations of Stevenson or Penny filling in in various centre positions. Um, but yeah, it clicked and it was great. I mean, we're with the Chavez, especially. I mean, I wonder if he had a LA Lakers season ticket or whatever when he was over there, you know, playing rugby in America, because some of those basketball skills, absolutely outrageous at the line out. I mean, He's got to be the best line-out jumper in the league at the moment, hasn't he? I mean, he he was causing all sorts of trouble for Leicester. And it's not just on Saturday. For, he has been for weeks now. So, I mean, uh, that trip to America hasn't just obviously he's come back a better player in every way. He's obviously, you know, holding on his basketball skills as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you ever if his career ever ends with uh, the Falcons, maybe the Eagles will pick him up. But, I mean... And like like you said before, you know, don't, it maybe isn't fair actually to pick out individuals because everyone was wonderful. But if we are going to be quote unquote unfair, I think we're going to add him to it as well because what another stellar game from him as well. Like I say, especially the line out once again. Yeah, I think we've got to be, eat a bit of humble pie here because um, I remember when we re-signed him, I think the pair of us were kind of like, what on earth have they done that for? Just filling up the squad of bodies. And I'll, I'll, I'll say quite openly, I was wrong. I was misguided. Whoever made the signing, Matt Thompson, if it was you, somebody else, you're a genius. Do more of the same because what a return to the Falcons it's been. And it's taken it's time to get back in the starting 15, but are you going to be turfing them out to put someone back in in the near future? Because I'm certainly not. I mean, I guess on a sort of similar note, I thought it was nice to see Van Bog back involved in the squad as well. Um, because, I mean, obviously when he got his injury, it was a really bad time for him. He was playing brilliantly as well. So I guess... By the time we play another league game, which is a, is a hefty gap coming up, he could be back in contention. So actually, it's something pretty rosy in that back row when not so long ago we were sort of desperate for numbers. So, you know, things are very much looking up. Yeah, and um, it's interesting you mentioned the, the attack. I wonder if Laycock's um, obviously our attack coach, um, whether he's doing anything new on the TV they're talking about trying to get the ball wider a bit sooner as opposed to playing quite as many build-up phases. I think something that did become apparent was that when we were playing with confidence and we weren't trying to play a box-kicking game and we just took it to the opposition with belief, we actually showed that we can play some decent stuff. And we've not always said Mickey Young... Maybe we've sometimes attributed the problems to be individuals always winter out Mickey Young's box kicks. But when he came on, he wasn't box-kicking and he looked very lively and good. And it's obviously that it's the box-kicking tactics that he's told to do that have caused it. Takalu was probably the same when he was told to box-kick it. Um, Sam Stewart tends not to box-kick as much, but he tends to come on later in the game and... Um, I think it must be the direction of things from above, not necessarily the players on the pitch that lead to the stagnant box we can sometimes see, but thank goodness there wasn't much of it at the weekend. Um, one other thing I noticed in the game, or a couple of other things, as always, it seemed that the referee was intent on letting Leicester score a try, but for once we got the benefit of the TMO. I'm not 100% sure he was right at the end of the first half, but certainly handy. And also, they didn't stop the uh, stopwatch on the yellow card, which meant that all the time they took deliberating about whether or not it was a try meant that Simbin had wound down nicely for coming back on in the second half. The other thing, the referee, if you look at the highlights back, he was shouting they've had the chance to use it early at the malls. Quite often in the Premiership, you see teams go backwards, go forwards a bit, then, then it goes stationary three or four seconds later, and then the ref says, that's your chance to use it. And the referee at the weekend was saying, you've had your chance to use it, basically, as soon as they caught it and didn't go forward. And I think that benefited us quite a bit because we were getting the early shunt on, and then Leicester didn't have the time to regroup and 
go for it again. They had to use it either by peeling off around the side or getting out to the backs, as opposed to sometimes when you see teams that seem to have as long as they want just to eventually score a try from a wall. So you may remember in some of our very early episodes, we had a feature called Hello Again. And this was basically when we would mention the players which played for the opposition or vice versa. And um bit of a quiz for you, and I haven't let you into this beforehand, so got to think off the cuff. In Falcons starting 15, there were three Falcons players who have played for Leicester. Who were they? Uh, well, Maroney. Yep, tick. Um, oh, uh, well, Alan Mulipul obviously came on later on, but he didn't start, did he? Yeah, he's one of my uh, next set of questions. Right. Who, who was the other sub that came on? Oh, got retesting how much I was watching it. <laughs> Uh, I thought you were the encyclopedia of all things Falcons, Ian. Come on. I know, but you know, put me on the spot here. Uh, Mickey Young was the other son. Oh, of course, Mickey. I forget he played for Leicester, actually. Well, I always remember he played for Bath, but I forget he played for Leicester. He played for Leicester. Yeah. And then um, the other two I are starting, we are both a second row. Peter and Travis both had time at Leicester, which I didn't realise until I started swatting up for this thing. And then... What actually put me onto it was I was thinking it was nice to see Green and Gopeth again. And then mm. I thought, well, would you trade Green for the second rows we got from them? Because I think I'm quite happy with the way that it's worked out. Obviously, Green was very good when he played for us. He's gone to Leicester and got mm. a lot of caps from the league. But I think um, Peterson the Chavez had edged him at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I would have said at the time when he went to Leicester, obviously I would have said, oh, yeah, I've absolutely snapped your hand off to take him back. I mean, he was, he was absolutely brilliant for us. But... You, know, you look at, and he, to be fair, it was really important. <clears throat> excuse me, it was really important for them when they won the league as well. Um, but on the day, on Saturday, you're right. I mean, he was well beaten. Like I say, especially by De Chavez in, in in the set piece. And I thought, to be fair, and he does this actually. Peterson does get around quite a bit, and I think he is usually quite good. His carries usually pretty good as well. He's fairly mobile actually. But you do notice him getting around. Um, and I, yeah, I thought, as you say, both hours were better than theirs, quite frankly. Yeah, and then obviously, I think it was quite nice to see Gopeth back at Kingston Park and um, mm. also getting a try. I'm not sure Radwan's quite as keen on the fact he got done on the outside by someone who's in his late 30s, but um, it was nice to see him get on the score sheet because it was so late in the game. Well, it was double, double, wasn't it, in terms of ex-players scoring each other? Because, of course, Gopeth scored for them and Maroney scored for us. So, you know, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Uh, it's like sort of fate that these things happen. Yeah, I mean, of course, it was nice uh, to see Gopeth. It's always nice to see Gopeth come back. I mean, we can only think, we only have great things there, but I mean, pretty much saved us, didn't he, for several years. Um, and actually, yeah, it's, it's great to see that he's, he's still playing again. And not only at such a high level, but he does get regular appearances for a team like Leicester, and that's fantastic. Obviously, he didn't want him to score against us. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but it, it is nice that he does make appearances. It is nice to see him on the pitch at Kingston Park. Yeah, and obviously, we've praised the Falcons' performance, but um, serious problems at Welford Road, I can't help but think, because for all we played well, Leicester weren't at the races at all. Yeah, they got a bonus point try, but um, when you read their message boards and um, various online forums and things. They're not a happy bunch of fans calling the RFU traitors, etc. And you can't really blame them in a way because, well, I can't blame them because they're Leicester and historically used to uh, like to cheat. But um, they did get the, the rug pulled out from beneath them in the way that Sinfield and Borthwick have gone. They, they just look like it was a stack of cards falling down. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no way it could not have an effect. You'd have thought, uh, you know, obviously a negative one. If you take away... You know, the coach, the coaching team that won you the league only a year ago, you know, it's obviously going to cause problems. Um, 
whether they can recover through over that over the next few weeks. Obviously, they've got the European games coming up as well. Maybe that's an opportunity for them to kind of, you know, refocus and regather themselves. But yeah, I mean, I think they've got every reason to sort of feel aggrieved. Like you say, sort of the work has been pulled from underneath them because it is incredibly disruptive. Um, now, I know obviously they, even when Balfour was there, um, they haven't had the season like they had last season. But still, um, it will take them time to recover from it. And I'm not entirely sure about what's worth as the appointment. I mean, it's very, obviously those in Leicester must, will see him every day and, and thought that oh he's obviously capable in sort of taking over the reins, but talk about a baptism of fire. I mean, past two results, the hammering they had at sale, and then um, I guess yeah, it was a hammering against us as well. Obviously, it does not put them in good stead. And you know, you look at where they are in the league, and as, like I said, the only sort of kind of one disappointment was they got that bonus point try because we were only two points behind them. You know, as far far as much we moan, you know, week in week out, you know, we would only be two points behind Leicester. If that was the case, I mean, we're only three at the moment. So, you know, they do have some sort of serious work to kind of get themselves together behind the scenes. But, you know, it has only been two games for them. And we know that they are obviously a very good side. And I wouldn't rule them out of finishing the top four quite yet. But, yeah, things are looking not so great for them at the moment. Yeah, obviously, it's a record victory for us against them. It was a record victory for Sale last week. And I can't help but think that they really have lost out when you look at the players that left it last year. They lost Moroni, they lost Ford. Genge. I don't think it's all down to necessarily the recent events, but certainly not being a good transition from being champions into into this season for them. But hey, they compensated very well for it um, when they did leave. They didn't have to let them out of the contract, and they did because they were paid millions of pounds. So I guess make the bed and the lie in it. Um, if we look ahead to the Falcons' next couple of fixtures, obviously our Premiership running run will have to wait a bit of time to to continue because um, coming up we've got European fixtures and then a couple of these bizarre friendlies against the Southern Knights. Yeah, I mean the European fixtures in well, they are what they are, aren't they? They'll obviously chop and change and just play them. And you know, Walder talked about oh how we didn't do ourselves justice, which quite obviously is true. But in terms of trying to get out of that group, I think we need sort of a minor miracle. Really, obviously, I think we'll have to win both those games. And hope other results go away, really. Um, so uh, maybe, you know, they aren't literally sort of, you know, dead rubber games and that there's no chance of getting out of that, that table, but it, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult, which is a shame because, you know, that's two games that, you know, almost not, you know, you can say to a degree of a waste, but <clears throat> excuse me, but, you know, let's just, I guess it's all about momentum, isn't it? You know, you, you play those players, give them a chance. You know, tell them that, you know, here's a chance to prove yourself. The team's playing well, the back of a great league win. You know, can you state your place in the team? And that should be the incentive. And let's see what they do against Cardiff and Connor. I mean, I guess in a way, there's nothing to lose, really. And I would especially like them to have a real good go in the home game against Connor because obviously they're at home. And I think the fans get kind of, after the dreadful Cardiff game, are really due a a proper, you know, good performance in that competition. So I think fingers crossed for that, really. But we'll have to see. And again, as you say, with, you know, the Southern Knights games, obviously all, all for very good cause, um, those two Doddy games. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Obviously lots of changes in those games. But I think with those, it's all about momentum, isn't it? And match sharpness and fitness of just kind of going into what are going to be two extremely tough away back-to-back league fixtures against Bristol and Saracens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they are, if anything, they're important, for, as I say, to kind of keep that match sharpness. Yeah, like you say, I've been trying to do the maths and basically, like you say, we've got to win both the games. And I think if we win them both the bonus points, then we've got a reasonably good chance of going through. 
But um, the fact of the matter is that, are we going to bother trying? And I'm in the camp of, I'm tossing up whether to go to Cardiff next weekend, and I'm going to wait till I see the team sheet before going, because if it's going to be a repeat of the last Cardiff game where we got constantly hammered, I'm not going to bother. Or if we set up a, if we set up a team sheet where we're obviously not trying to win it, then I'm not going to bother going. Simple as that. And then it kind of makes you think, well, if only we'd have set ourselves up in a different way earlier on, we could have guaranteed, or if we'd have won one of the games, and I think we could have probably won another one definitely out of these two. And then we could potentially be in the last latter parts of the European competition. As it happens, I think we're probably going to do squad rotation for the next two games competitively and also the um, Southern Knights. So hopefully when we come back into league fixtures, we'll have a full-strength team or as close to that as possible with injuries. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I just said, you just said there, we expect to be squad rotation, but that isn't necessarily what we want it to be, especially as there is such a huge gap between the league games. You know, I guess why not play a stronger team in the European games and go for it? I mean, we, we don't think they will, but there's an argument that they should, as you say. You know, they've got to get the two bonus point wins, and I think if they play a pretty strong side, they will. They'll have a, they could have a reasonable chance of getting those. You know, especially I think targeting targeting Connaught at home, Cardiff away be very difficult. We you know what a good team they are, and what a strong squad they have, but. Like I say, you know, at the end of the day, it's about match fitness and match sharpness, and even that Cardiff game is weeks away until the the next league game so you know i think why not give it a go you know why not play a relatively strong side of course you can make the changes if need be but you know i think really we should be giving them a good go considering the the large gap in fixtures yes you make reference to the gap in fixtures if we just go through things can't even say it now chronologically um 15th and 21st we're away at cardiff and then at home to connor we've then got the 4th of february away at Southern Knights, which I believe is in Melrose. And then we've got the 11th of February at home to Southern Knights. Um, 17th of February, we're then away to Bristol Bears. So between the... So we've got four weeks off between Connaught and Bristol. Um, so supposing we play rested to, or rotational teams, then the guys that played on Saturday the 7th, the next time they'll play a competitive league game will be the 17th of February, which is almost six weeks. We then have an away trip to Saracens, and the next competitive league home game will be on the 5th of March. They have jiggled around the fixtures a bit, but all they seem to have do is, or all they seem to have done is rearrange when the big gap happens. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, and like I've said, there is that big gap there. And as a reminder, you know, if we sort of need it, I guess, is that that was obviously going to be when. Wasps and Worcester games were going to be, which, of course, aren't there anymore. So, um, you know, the club have done what they can to sort of fill in the gap there. And, you know, like like we've said just a few minutes ago, it's obviously it's for a very good cause. Um, and I hope as many people go to them as possible. But uh, also, it, it's got to be for Matt Sharpless as well. I mean, they are, at the end of the day, these sort of missy, sort of friendlies, if you call that, have got to have a, a professional purpose, if I call it that. Um, and that has got to be much sharpness for, for those two very tough away games coming up. It's going to be interesting what happens to the league table by the time we next have a game, because not all teams are resting. And at the minute, we've played 12 games, and we're, we're actually sitting in eighth place at the minute. So if the league was to stop tomorrow, we'll get Champions Cup. And we're only five points off third position, which is... Crazy when you think about it. There's there's ten points between third and last place Bristol, and it really is frustrating in a way because there's the games that we've seen get away from us this year. And had we got f- five points against Bristol, I mean five points against Bath twice, then we'd be in third position now, which really is dizzy heights. 
been fantastic compared to where we were this time last year. Well, I mean, the, the funny thing that's kind of happened is that it, it's the past couple of seasons, we've mentioned it obviously many times about how they go through these periods where they'll get a few wins in a row and look really good. And then they go into sort of January, February, and we can't, you know, we can't buy a win. We can't buy a point or whatever. When we're absolutely dreadful. And then we kind of pick it up again towards the end of the season in the, in the sense that we kind of go through these blocks, don't we? And there's been that inconsistency. But what we're seeing this season is it is a very, there's very much an inconsistency between home and away. Home is starting to actually look very good, but we just can't get that consistency away. And that lack of consistency obviously means more defeats, but it also means we're not getting the bonus points as well because it is so inconsistent and there does appear to be such a performance gap. Um, we can all see just how tight that league is. And a couple of you know losing bonus points or trying bonus points here and there can make an absolutely huge difference. And that's really what they're gonna have to address. I mean, they've got the home form right, you know, let's keep that going, you know, let's keep winning at home, you know, let's keep it let's keep making Kingston Park incredibly difficult for teams to come up there. But it's your way form that's that's the thing that really needs to improve because even if we can just pick up, like I say, a few bonus points here and there. It's going to make a huge difference. Um, and that, I think, at the moment is kind of what's holding us back. Yes, we're eighth at the moment. And I think, actually, if you look at the league table in terms of the wins each club has had, you know, that has deserved because we've, we've only got one win less than someone like um, Northampton or something ridiculous like that. So I think um, there's a couple of teams above us on six wins, we're on five. So, you know, for all, you know, we may moan on. You know, we're, we're no worse in terms of wins than, than a lot of the other teams around there. But like I said, it does go down to bonus points. And it's that inconsistency, a different type of inconsistency we're seeing this season, that if we can just improve slightly on, and I think it's easier to improve slightly on that inconsistency in terms of picking up the odd bonus point, you know, we could go a long way. And, and But as you say, it'd be interesting to see how that league table looks after our sort of extended hiatus. But... You know, we've done what we need to do in terms of getting that win against Leicester because that has put us in a good position with that hiatus coming up. So one of the league of interest, where it's getting quite close, um, if we look over our shoulders at the Championship, last season, obviously, there was the legal challenge mounted by Doncaster and Ealing towards the end of it. And this season, Doncaster seemed to have fallen away from it a bit and left Ealing. And everyone just assumed Ealing were going to streak away with it and win everything. And they have to a certain extent, but Jersey had kept on the coattails and just before Christmas was the big one with Jersey versus Ealing in which Ealing won and then I think there were six points ahead going into this weekend seven points ahead going into this weekend but um, out of nowhere lowly Coldy last play of the game spin the ball out wide and beat top of the league Ealing and now we're in the situation where Jersey Reds are two points behind Ealing they've played the same number of games no one else is that close Coventry and eight points behind Jersey, 10 points behind Ealing. If Ealing slip up again and have another dodgy week, then we could be looking at something very interesting happening. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with regards, excuse me, with regards to the game itself, I think, I mean, I think I saw the video on RFU Facebook page. Um, and for those who are able to do so, I would encourage you to have a look at that because it's absolutely great scenes. And the, one of the joys about it, it, it's kind of like rugby in its purest form. Because, um, <clears throat> excuse me, if you didn't know it was a couple of championship teams and you just kind of watched the video, you would think, you know, it was, you know, the home team getting a winning, trying last play of the game, you know, in, in your local rugby club on a Saturday afternoon. Like, it's absolutely brilliant. Like, it, it, you know, it looks like, like I say, any sort of amateur rugby club or Saturday, it's brilliant. You see all the sort of the kids jumping up and down and behind and all the people just on like the, 
know, the plastic rail just out the pitch, jumping up and down little clubhouses. Absolutely brilliant stuff. And that, that's really kind of what it's all about. And I think that's what would be at its finest. But, you know, we obviously do have a result of the week feature. And maybe that should sort of get an honourable mention because no matter what league it's in, I mean, that is absolutely incredible. Um, Got to be, you would have thought, Coldy's greatest ever result. But yeah, I mean, the thing about the championship is quite often over the years, um, not so much when we've been in it, but um, certainly sort of since our promotion, the past two or three seasons, has been quite close for parts of it. But you sort of, you know, get to moments when Ealing do sort of pull away because they win the big matches or whatever. And you remember a couple of years ago with Saracens, I mean, Ealing were, Ealing beat Saracens, didn't they? And they were sort of on their coattails for a while and they sort of pulled away. And you sort of suspect the same will happen uh, this season. But it does bring up some of the questions so what we said last season, again, right, with Doncaster, well, what happens if Doncaster finish top? Uh, what's going on with promotion then? Because like you're saying, everyone sort of thought Ealing would just sort of tangent away with it. Again, it's the same sort of similar questions this season. It is very close. Yes, we're only halfway through the season, but it does bring up the interesting possibility of what happens if, on this case, Jersey win the league. Could we get away trips on the plane again once you get to Jersey? I suspect not. But it does bring up some uh, interesting questions. Yeah, of course, um, Cornish Pirates, Beat Saracens the first game of the season. Um, the the uh, Saracens have done probably the the biggest result in their history. And the championship's great because, like you say, it does throw up these gems every now and again. And yeah, I, I can't help but echo what you said about that Caldy video. If you, if you get a chance, do watch it. It, it could have been your local third team. You don't really realise the level of rugby it is either. It's not like fantastic play. It's just a fly half as a triple miss pass to a winger who kind of goes over from five yards out. It's it's nothing exceptional. It's just great to see all the children in their muddy kit from the presumably their mini rugby in the morning jumping around. But anyway, um, what it does kind of make the prospect of, they've said that there's going to be um, a lowering of the minimum entry requirements to 5,000 this year. And I believe Jersey are compliant. So suppose Jersey do win the league and get promoted. Then suddenly you've got an international premiership because the premiership will be made up of 11 English teams plus the Ballywick of Jersey, which then, here comes the cynicism tinfoil hat, means that there's no barrier to the Welsh teams being invited in because I think the Welsh franchises need to get renewed at the end of next season. And obviously, Wales have got problems at the minute with the sustainability of their model. Premiership haven't got enough teams in the league and sustainability of professional rugby in England's in question. And if Jersey managed to make it an international league, then suddenly a whole load of um, people might suddenly say, oh, well, it's not a problem inviting the Welsh teams because we've got the foreigners already. I think you're starting to run out of tin fall at this rate, aren't you, some of these comments? But uh, no, but I do stand correct. You're right. I'm sorry, it was Cornish Pirates, not Ealing that has been Saracens. You are right there. But yeah, um, you make it sound so exotic, don't you, of all the you know Jersey and Welsh teams during the league. But um, oh, uh, that certainly would be something, wouldn't it? I think I'd have like Jersey there. That'd be interesting. I'm not sure could stomach the Welsh teams. I think mean, that's something completely different, isn't it, in terms of what's going on over there. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, but it wasn't just correct me wrong. I mean, yes, they did reduce requirement. Oh, it's got it can be five thousand. That's right. But uh, the, wasn't there other sort of issues in terms of other? Oh, there's a, you know, it's going to have some sort of the safety issues and other sort of ground requirements, which I, I don't know for sure if Jersey sort of meet those requirements or not, but. Um, you know, like I said, it does raise questions in the season if it does happen, because as we all know, the Premiership needs extra teams. And I think the idea was that there would be a possibility that once Ealing won the league, you know, there'd be a chance they'll be promoted. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see now. Uh, but like I said, I mean, maybe we'll just have a bit of fun and Ealing will just win the league by another 15 points at the end of the season. But it's fun to, fun to think about these things, isn't it? Yeah, my counter-argument to what I said earlier would be that uh, I think I'm right in thinking Jersey are part of the Hampshire RFU. 
not quite sure which um, when Hampshire conquered Jersey and Channel Islands, but um, it's what they're part of. So I guess you could claim it's the England affiliated clubs as opposed to those in England itself. I guess watch this space. Also, wasn't Jersey where the Falcons um, jet was going to be too heavy or something? Half the travelling fans couldn't get on it. Or was that too long where that happened? It was one of the two trips where there was a, a mess up. I think that might have been Jersey, actually. I think it might have been because I remember, obviously, when we went, because we, 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 we made our own way, didn't we? And we were, I, mean, I think... I don't know if we were speaking to people at the hotel, but again, this could be too long. I think it was Jersey where we said, oh, thank goodness we didn't take that flight because it was on, you know, obviously it was on the phone's website. Oh, yeah, this has happened. Apologies, whatever it was. And we were all thinking, oh, you know, thank goodness we didn't do that. But yeah, you're right. Wasn't it that to abandon half the kit and things? It was some sort of, was it doing with, I don't know, was it simply the weather or was it just because it's heavy rugby players or something or what? But uh, yeah, that, that was, was I think that was Jersey actually, the more I think about it. But of course, if anyone knows otherwise and can correct me or us, then, then please let us know. Yeah, and we went to the, the Dean Richards uh, talk in the night before, and then as we were driving away from the game in the hire car, we saw G- Dean Richards walking down the main street, didn't we? He was just walking out of the Jersey rugby ground down the road. He must have been going to see some friends or something. It's kind of surreal, but there you go. Yeah, all the fun of Falcons away days, isn't it? Especially in the Champions Yeah, but it's, it's a good one to get to, Jersey. I'd certainly go back there again. Anyway, we kind of digress a bit. Um, if we get into the... Um, the the roundup obviously let's let's reiterate it again falcons absolutely brilliant best thing since sliced bread so on friday night gloucester lost to saracen 16 points to 19 obviously a bit of controversy at the end there with owen farrell getting getting not red carded thanks to our friend carl dixon explaining things wrong to the tmo and then he slots the drop goal to win the game so um owen farrell's now been cited uh disciplinary time uh tomorrow being tuesday the 10th and we'll see what happens there um saturday obviously we're brilliant. 45-26 winners against the champions. And then Exeter beat Northampton, 35 points to 12. On Sunday, Harlequins lost to Sale, 16 points to 24. And London Irish beat Bristol, 23 points to 7. Which leaves, leaves the league table as follows. Saracens played 12, 11, 52 points. Sale on 43. Harlequins on 31 with Gloucester. Exeter on 30. Northampton and Leicester on 29. Us and London Irish on 26. We're ahead by virtue of having won more games. Bath on 23 and Bristol, the bottom, on 21. But as we said earlier, only 10 points between 3rd and 11th. In the National Leagues, um, not a good day for our region. Um, Darlington lost 12-10 to Bishop Stortford. Um, in National League 2, Bladen got thrashed at home to Rotherham, 19 points to 47. And Tyndale lost... 26 points to 7 on the road to Sheffield Tigers. Therefore, summed up a bad day for the, the Northeasterners heading down to Sheffield. Um, in Regional 1 Northeast, Anik once again put in a fantastic performance, beating Cleckheaton away, and Doncaster beat Billingham, 19 points to 17. If we just look at that league table, Anik and Billingham are 1 and 2 as it stands, which um quite phenomenal, really, that next season we could have four teams in National League 2 North. Um, but let's just hope that that continues for those two, because um, at the minute, very good stuff. In Regional 2 North, wins for Espatria over Keswick, Tonsett lost to Stockton, Durham beat Carlisle, Middlesbrough beat uh, Westo, Morpeth pit by a point by Percy Park, and Northern beat Penrith. In Durham and Northumberland 1, Gisborough beat Wetley Bay Rockcliffe, Hartlepool beat Darlington, Hartlepool Rowers lost to Ackland, 
Ordnum Peterley lost heavily to West Hartlepool in what goes down as score of the week, 67 points to nil. Uh, Medicals beat Sunderland and Novos beat Pontyland. I'm quickly going to revise my score of the week because I've just seen the score that um, Wrighton put over Walls End. So, um, Bishop Auckland won 93 points to five against Wynn-Layton. Gateshead beat Barnard Castle. Um, Northfield lost to Ashington. Redcar beat Whitby in the, I guess you could call it the Yorkshire Coast Derby. Um, Wrighton absolutely thrashed Walls End 92 nil, so they're going to get score of the week this week. And Centrefield beat Seaham. In Durham Northland Division 3, uh, Blythe lost to Houghton, and there's a home walkover for Darnton Mad Park Elizabethans against Gosforth, whilst Seg Hill beat Prudder Stocksfield. So, um, because of the uh, European fixtures, we'll do another European special following the, the two fixtures against Cardiff and Connacht, and then we will probably uh, touch base and maybe try something a bit different with an episode um, before we get back into the Premiership games after the Southern Knights um, duo. So, um, be a little while till we speak about a Premiership game, but we're not going to be too far away. So thank you for listening, everybody. And let's enjoy the next six weeks while we continue our unbeaten run in the league. Bye, everyone.